This is Adventure Nannies On Air. What's up, Shenandoah? Brandy! <laughs> How's it going over there in sunny Colorado? Good. Life is good. I'm really excited about this podcast today. I'm really jealous because you got to talk to one of my favorite people who I know you're better friends with than I am, but every time I run into her, I'm just blown away by how smart and cool she is. She is awesome. Yeah. I got to talk to Cassie Lee, who's like, I didn't even know what her job was when we first met. And then the more she was just like this cool, really warm, funny blonde girl who was like snorting when she laughed and spilling beers when she talked. And I was like, oh, I I could be friends with this person. Yeah, And then she turns into some super genius with this amazing background. And she does all this high level philanthropy and just helped Biden's transition team and using space technology and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) I just remember, I think it was when the Lumineers were in Seattle quite a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but I was backstage with you and you were kind of running me through. And here's so-and-so and and they're, uh, you know, and they're like an associate assistant at the record label. And here's so-and-so and and they were in the Northwest division of this record of the radio campaign. And I was, I'm such an introvert that I was just like, hi, nice to meet you like a thousand (laughs) times. And then you were like, and here's Cassie, and she's literally a rocket scientist. I was like, wait, who the fuck are you? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, here's Cassie. There's a rocket scientist here? Scientist. Can we be friends? Yeah, and here's her <laughs> awesome partner who, like, used to do MMA fighting. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Couple what did you two talk about? So we talked about, I was like, how do we, how do you make Cassie, <laughs> basically? I wanted to talk to her because <laughs> so many of our families, I think their goal is to kind of have a self-realized child, you know? You want to give mm-hmm. your kid all the tools and the best setup that you can possibly give them so that they become fully realized adults. And I was looking around and just like, you're a fully realized person. What did your parents, how did you become you? It's unbelievable. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk to her about. And then I kind of didn't tell her I was doing this at the time. But I know there's a book out called The Formula, which actually talks about the formula to creating a fully realized human being or a successful child. I thought it was a really interesting book. So they listed a bunch of qualities that parents and childcare providers need to sort of have in order to allow a child to blossom in that way and kind of wrote them down and check them off as Cassie was talking to kind of check it against this. And it's a great book. If anyone wants to read it after listening to this, it's called The Formula. It's by Ronald Ferguson and Tatasha Robertson. And they're with the Harvard Kennedy School. I think Tatasha's a journalist and he's a professor there. But it's really great. And they have more information about it at masteroftheformula.com. There's like basics about it. And then they also work a lot with the Achievement Gap Institute at Harvard. So we're going to leave those two in the accompanying, those two links in the accompanying blog in case anyone else would like to collaborate with the families they work with in creating a future Cassie. Yeah. And Cassie just had two 
many Cassies not super long ago. Yes. So there's a new generation of Cassies on the horizon. Yeah, Cassie's got two and a half year old twins and I cannot wait to have Letty grow up next to these little super geniuses. (laughs) Well, I hope they don't make him look too bad. (laughs) Like they already do, but that's cool. (laughs) Awesome. Here's Brandy's conversation with Cassie Lee. We are here today with Cassie Lee, Queen of Aerospace, one of my dear friends who I've just been blown away by the more I get to know you. I'm just going to start off by bragging a little bit about you and then tell the listeners why we're talking about, why we're talking <laughs> to you. But Cassie is one of the more impressive people I've ever met. You, I think when we met, you were working for a space program here in Colorado called Sierra Nevada. And prior to that, you had worked at NASA, SpaceX, and then afterwards you moved to Seattle where you became the head of aerospace at Vulcan, which is Paul Allen's space company. And you've done a lot of philanthropy regarding space technology. You've helped track down illegal fishing expeditions and worked on climate change. And you recently helped set up some information for the Biden transition team. And you are now at Lockheed Martin. Is that right? That is correct. Did I miss anything on your career trajectory? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it can be summed up pretty easily. I, I started as a propulsion engineer for NASA and ended up working at uh, some commercial space companies, uh, SpaceX and Sierra Nevada, like you said, on the Dream Chaser program, and then uh, went to work for Paul Allen as we used uh, space-based data to try to empower his philanthropic efforts and then have started a climate philanthropy called Earthrise Alliance and now at Lockheed Martin trying to use uh, space-based data to understand our changing climate. Oh my gosh. And you started the Brooke Owens Fellowship. You're a founder of that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I'd love to. So the Brooke Owens Fellowship is a program for extraordinary women and gender minorities uh, with a demonstrated passion for aerospace. So they can be from any country in any uh, institution studying any discipline as long as they're in their undergraduate program. And they apply to the fellowship and we match them with host companies that offer them paid internships. We give them executive mentors from elsewhere in the industry. And then we bring together everyone for a summit um, so that they can create their own network and get to know industry leaders and policymakers firsthand um, in the hopes that uh, they're able to jumpstart their early career experience. Wow. Yeah. So Cassie is basically the child that most of our clients are trying to raise <laughs> and <laughs> and that I would love to. I've just been so curious and really excited to talk to you about what it was like to be kind of a super achieving child, how your parents and care providers created this environment to foster that for you, and then what you're doing now to raise your own kids, what your hopes and dreams for them are. Oh, absolutely. Well, I I really appreciate the opportunity um, to give credit to my parents. They were very loving, doting parents. I grew up in a small town in Iowa, And my father had taken advantage of the GI Bill. And so, you know, he'd had a very extensive education. I believe he has six degrees and is a psychologist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And um, my mother as well. Uh, She 
had her master's degree in physical education, which um, is kind of a joke because she's a, a teeny tiny woman with not a whole lot of athletic skill. But, you know, I think she knew that she wanted to get into education and that seemed like a interesting opportunity for her. They started me in Montessori and still to this day, my mom doesn't know why. But it was a, a really important decision for our family because my mom ended up going back and getting her Montessori certification. And she you know, she taught at Montessori for almost 30 years. She started the public school Montessori offering in Des Moines, Iowa, and is, you know, is now helping influence uh, the way that my children learn through Montessori. So that's been a really big part of our life. Um, the younger brother, he did Montessori as well. We both did it through kindergarten and then and then went to public school. Uh, like I said, growing up in Iowa, we were really lucky that we had a really strong public school system. Education was always really important. One thing my mom and I talk about a lot is I'm very young for my grade and my kids will be really young for their grade. And because I'd had this great advantage of this uh, very early childhood education through Montessori, I I passed all the tests and, and was able to, to start kindergarten early. Socially, I probably wasn't ready, but I did have the opportunity, you know, to go to school and play a little bit of catch up. And so I think to this day, my mom is, is wondering if that's, you know, what would have been like if, if we would have delayed my start. And it's a question now that we're faced with because um, I have two and a half year old twins and they're August babies, just like I was. And luckily, I didn't know any better growing up. And then, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, pretty normal childhood. My, my dad worked really hard. He, he always had two jobs. And uh, my mom worked half time uh, while while we were in school and then went full time um, after I had graduated. I ended up going to space camp several times when I was younger. And how old were I think you that, when you went to space camp? I was 12 the okay. first time and 13 the second time. You know, it really started, I think, um, my folks sent me to like our local science center had a little camp. And I just remember absolutely loving that. And I think that really put me on the path of like, oh, this could, is something I'm really interested in. And then I would go at night and steal my dad's hunting binoculars and go and, you know, this is so cheesy, but, you know, stand outside and look up and because I we didn't have a telescope. And so I kind of made my own and, and I just I knew it was something I was interested in. And my parents, you know, did not have any connection to aerospace or aerospace industry, but they were super supportive. And they, they um, worked really hard and, and saved up money and allowed me to go to this camp that was all the way down in Alabama. And um, it was, you know, really transformative experience. It was the first time I really felt like, I belonged somewhere because I was, you know, always really young and always a little bit different. And so it was a really, really important experience for me to be surrounded by other people that were encouraging me and that that liked what I liked and had some experiences that I'd had. And I think that actually has informed how we've developed the fellowship program, the Brooke Owens Fellowship Program, you know, because it is, you know, that sense of belonging is very important, the sense mm. of being you know, part of something bigger than yourself, working on a team and and being, you know, shoulder to shoulder in, in an experience where you're you're getting to learn and share that with people that like the same things you like. That was a really encouraging uh, moment for me in, in my career. That's amazing. Yeah. So was it always space for you or were your parents helping you cultivate other interests as well? Yeah. So, you know, we were a really athletic family and we spent a lot of time outside. Um, you know, we 
did a little bit of traveling, um, but we, you know, really for me, you know, it was, we did a lot of reading. We did a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of activities. It was just a very busy childhood, which was really fun. Um, I was actually a synchronized swimmer, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> unusual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, you know, it started at our local pool and, and I ended up joining the competitive team for the, the, you know, the only competitive team in the state of Iowa. And so <laughs> I had a chance to travel all over the country and make lifelong friends. And um, it was a very obscure sport, um, but it gave me, you know, a, ba- a counterbalance to some of these other things. And again, it was just the sense of belonging and the sense of being a part of someplace where maybe it was really unique to, to, to do this sport and, and to like what I liked. Um, but, it, you know, I was always surrounded by, by people that it were really <laughs> encouraging. So, you know, so, so that was always a big part of it, you know, and like I said, with this reading, you know, back then everyone had to go to the library and this and that. And, um, you know, my mom always let me pick out whatever book I wanted. And so I was reading Ray Bradbury when I was little and, I remember I always had to get the large print edition books because I also eventually needed glasses. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I was uh, so, uh, but, you know, it was always this kind of fun, you know, uh, journey that that they allowed me to go on and, and they were just supportive and uh, of whatever I was interested in. And do you think they helped you at all kind of cultivate your sense of agency that you have? Because it's got to be hard to be a female Mm -hmm. in a male-dominated industry. And I know we've talked about this a little bit, but Mm -hmm. can you just touch on your kind of – because not everybody can do that. I know you don't think of it the same way that some do, Mm -hmm. but I would just love to hear your thoughts on this. Sure, and I think it ties back to something that we already talked about, and that is for me, there was never – I never heard, you know, discouraging words or, you know, girls don't do that or or any of that kind of talk. For me, what mm-hmm. made me different was what I was interested in and that I was younger and probably less mature than the people around me. And so when I, you know, when I went in to this industry, that that was always the thing that stood out to me was that um I was always the youngest person in the room for a really long time and that w- that was the thing that made me feel different. It wasn't my gender, it wasn't you know, any of these other, uh, you know, ways that, you know, people sort of self-describe that can that can make you feel other. But every, yeah. everyone's got that. And so, you know, my, my parents were always just really supportive and always told me that, you know, that that it was a, a, a positive thing and it was an achievement. It was an opportunity to learn. And, and framing it that way always kind of gave me the the strength to kind of take my power in a situation like that. And, um, and you know, it... It wasn't always successful, and I definitely had some um, some challenging moments. But that's that's how I've looked at it. And then you know, as we look at diversity today, and and all of the different ways that people self describe, you know, we have a, a there, our fellowship um, is focused on women and gender minorities, mostly because that is is as how Brooke Owens, who is the namesake of the organization, um, identified. But you know. We're really realizing now that it is the diversity come, you know, is is a is a spectrum of all kinds of different ways that people want to self-associate. And and mm-hmm. we're just in this point now where we're kind of almost moving past gender as this important 
measure and more towards, you know, celebrating diversity of thought and opinion. And, and when we look around at applicants for our program, part of what we look for are people that have a unique experience, that have a unique background, that can teach the rest of us something that we didn't know um, about the world and about the industry, about perspective. And, uh, and we're really trying to nurture um, all of the different dimensions of diversity with, with the program that we have now. That's awesome. Wow. Great answer. Um, and so now that you have two little ones of your own, what are you going to, what are your hopes for them? How do you define success? Like, what are you doing to sort of offer them this roadmap that you had? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, I look to people like you who know a whole lot more about child <laughs> rearing and child care. I mean, really, the best gift that we ever gave our children was to find them a nanny who genuinely cares for them, that is well-educated, that understands our passion for the Montessori way of learning and has really opened her mind and her heart to helping just very gently guide our kids in the direction that is most nurturing for their learning experience. And, and you know, we've been very, very lucky to have that support. Um, you know, a lot of folks that went in search of a, of childcare about the same time we did have, have had really tricky experiences that, you know, where maybe they've had inconsistent childcare. Certainly the, the coronavirus has obviously been incredibly disruptive. And I would Oof. say our, yeah. Yeah, our nanny has gone above and beyond to, to be there and to support our kids and encourage their education. So for me, you know, to have her and then to have my mom who is, you know, experienced, um, you know, Montessori teacher to help remind me that, you know, it's all about practical life experience. It's all about following the lead of the child. It's all about having, you know, that tactile engagement and understanding why you're doing something and, and giving, you know, talking to them like they are uh, capable of understanding. And, and all of a sudden, one day the lights come on and they do understand why they're doing it. And so that's, yeah. that's been something we've really tried to nurture. And in terms of, you know, whatever they are interested in and whatever they want to do, we're really excited to see what will develop. You know, my husband and I have very different interests, my brother and his wife, you know, and, you know, our dear friends, you know, like you and Wes, and, and we have a whole host of creative and, you know, successful friends that have all manners of, uh, of different careers. I hope that they just get exposed to all of those things and that they get to they get feel empowered to choose what it is um, that they're passionate about because that was the gift that my parents gave me. Oh, that's awesome. I also was doing a little digging before I spoke with you and I wanted to kind of look up what other people's ideas of the formula for creating a successful child was. And I came across this book that's actually called The Formula. <laughs> And it's it's written by Ronald Ferguson and um, Tatasha Robertson, and they're both with the Harvard Kennedy School. And I just want to go through. They made a checklist of actually the eight roles that a parent should have. A parent usually plays in creating a successful child. While you were talking, I was secretly ticking off these roles. <laughs> I'm gonna list them for you. I'm gonna list them for you because I found it really interesting that you cut you. I want to hear your thoughts on if you had a parent that had these roles. Ready? Okay. So one is the early learning partner. Yes. And so they kind of make make problem solving fun. Yeah. From an early age. Yes, I number two. I agree with that for sure. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I was like, ooh, Montessori check. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Number two, the flight engineer. So they keep the kids on this trajectory of success. Like if you have a little slip, they can be like, oh, they can course correct for you throughout your upbringing. Yeah, no, I I definitely think that is a that's a that's a very valid uh, and important parenting role. And then one was the fixer, which is not a great word (laughs) right now, but but that's just someone who provides resources and connections. So when your parents saved for you, Mm -hmm. saved money to send you, I was like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. the revealer. So they play a role where they kind of open up the opportunities to you. Oh, definitely. They, They let you know what's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have the philosopher. So you help them find their meaning. Mm-hmm. The model. So that's your dad and mom with their degrees. The parent who represents someone the child wants to be like. Mm-hmm. The negotiator. That's sort of why I asked you about where did you get this sense of agency? Like somebody who teaches the kid to that they belong where they're at. Yeah. No, definitely. And that and that one is a very important one. And and especially as I work so much with uh, women and gender minorities in, um, you know, this really critical time in their education of of early university years, the sense of belonging is I'm finding to be the most crucial thing. And the sense of belonging in regards of not being similar to everyone else because I think honestly like if we think about how we were all raised like people were celebrated for being alike and I think we're in a really exciting time where people can be celebrated for being different and that's that's why I wanted to talk about specifically how we're looking at the different dimensions of, of diversity and encouraging that and actually seeking that out because that is definitely a gift that people and children that are that are growing up now are going to have that's going to be different than uh, the, those that are their parents' age. And um, yeah. as long as the parents can see that and can encourage that, I mean, I think that, uh, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of success in, in these high potential women and gender minorities that we're working with uh, by using that language. That's huge. Yeah, I love that. And then I think of my own life and my parents were definitely not involved as much at all (laughs) in my upbringing. But somehow a lot of these little traits were pieced together by other role models in my life. I didn't have a nanny, but I did have teachers who cared and Mm -hmm. friends, parents who cared and were able to expose me to things. And I think my three brothers gave me the negotiation skills so I could could be like, please don't kill me. (laughs) That is wonderful. And I mean, I I belong here. Yes. Well, and I think what's so special and what, what I have just always loved about being your friend is that you are able to find you're always yourself and you're always in really unique circumstances and that I really admire. And, and even, you know, as I get older and can appreciate some of those things more, you know, it, that is a skill that had to have been learned when you were young because you are, uh, you're effortless at it. And, and I think it's totally evident when you look at your friend group and you look at the, you know, your colleagues at Adventure Nannies and you look at the, you know, the success that you've had, some of the things where, you know, maybe it wasn't all easy breezy and a straight line from here to there has made you into the woman that you are today. And, and so, you know, I want to acknowledge that too. There's a lot of paths, um, to finding, you know, success and success can look like a lot of different things. Um, as long as it feels like you're being authentic to yourself and, and that's, I really admire about you and I'm so glad that you're able to share some of your stories um, because they certainly taught me a lot. And I I suspect uh, a lot of the listeners and and your colleagues as well. Oh, 
Thanks, Cassie. I was just throwing it out there because I wanted to just say, you know, this is a team effort raising children. And oh, yeah. the hope is always that we become successful, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one more role I wanted to check with you. Okay. Though. The last of the eighth roles is the GPS navigational voice, <laughs> which is where <laughs> you kind of hear your parents' voice in your head when you're making choices throughout your life. Oh. Do you have that? Um, I definitely do. And it comes a lot in... It was probably stronger earlier on when it came to like judging other people's character if they were like a, a yeah. healthy relationship for me or not. My they've, my parents have really never been wrong about that, even though I thought many times they were wrong. Um, and then later in life, now as a parent, um, you know, I feel like I t- I still learn when I watch them interact with our kids. And, and yeah, I, I, I think about the way that my mom treats me to this day as, you know, as a human and as a person and not really as a, as a child that, you know, has to listen to her, but as someone that she listens to and that we make That's decisions amazing. together. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and now, and I'm really trying to emulate that with our kids, which can be tricky because they're two and a half. And so they don't always have great ideas. But I do try to, you know, to communicate with them in that at that level of like, okay, well, let's let's talk about why and let's make a decision together that is gonna keep you safe. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm so excited to see how your kids turn out. And I'm really happy that we got to do this parenting journey at the same time. Oh my gosh. I, I am <laughs> pretty so awesome. grateful. I mean, yeah, that's probably I'm learning a lot from you. <laughs> same. I would tell anyone my you are my like parenting secret weapon. You've got so much great experience and wisdom from you know your research and and empowering these amazing nannies that are out, you know, helping shape shape and form uh, these, you know, beautiful next generation of children. But and then also watching you, you know, as a parent yourself and and how you've incorporated the the best learning and the best exposure and um and uh, I know that you know having a community of people as a mom is just as important as when you're young and you're trying to create you know have that sense of agency being a mom is an incredibly vulnerable place to be and if you aren't surrounded by people that lift you up and that you know that prevent you from kind of falling into a lot of those circumstances where you know we're all imperfect and this is very hard and and um you know Brene Brown talks a lot about shame and and motherhood yeah and I I really um appreciate being able to have those conversations and having honest friends that you can just say hey this is really hard I don't know how to handle this situation or this thing happened and and I you know I I I don't know if that how that happened how it came to be and um yeah and it is it is so wonderful to have people to, to have serious conversations with and laugh with. And um, so hopefully everyone listening who, who is a mom or would like to become a mom or is in childcare has uh, that community of people because I that's the most important thing. A hundred percent. Yeah, you need support. <laughs> I love that. And I definitely don't feel like a childcare expert. It's just great to... I, I read a lot of childcare books, mm-hmm. so I have philosophies in my head, other people's, because I didn't have any... <laughs> I didn't have a very good role model in my <laughs> life. So I, I'm taking cues from people who've thought about it a lot more than I have. And one of the things that I really liked about this book, too, and our talk is that there's several qualities that parents need to create these mm-hmm. super successful children like yourself. And the number one quality is just the sheer determination to be a great parent. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that absolutely applies to childcare too. Anyone listening is obviously trying to in- improve their knowledge of their field and help help raise these kids that are fully realized and have what it takes to be successful in whatever that means. And hopefully it just means like to be fully realized Mm -hmm. oh I to be whoever the best expression of that little person is I absolutely love that and then it is so fun to watch you as a mom because I think that's something that you and your husband do extraordinarily well is encourage their creativity and sort of create this open space for your son to be who he is and feel how he feels and explore what he's interested in and and that is a that'll be a real joy to watch uh, when your daughter joins us as well Ooh, yeah, I'm scared. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's so scary, but it's so great. Just knowing myself as a teenager, here we go. Um, That's why I'm reading all the books. Same. Well, and you know, speaking of the books that you read, it always has really impressed me that you are, you're not only out looking at books of, you know, how to, you know, the the rules of parenting or the rules of, of childcare, this and that. You are reading constantly about different experiences and how different people were raised in different times and under different circumstances. And I think that that really helps too. I mean, I think we all get it in our head that like there's only one way to do things or the way we were raised yeah. is the only way. And that is that, it you know, that does not really create a, a space for, you know, letting children realize who they are. And, and yeah. so I really admire that. And I feel like it takes a lot of pressure off of it has to be this way or it should be that way. And it can just be how it is. And, you know, children are going to... All rivers lead to the ocean. Ex- yeah, exactly. And I think it was you that... <laughs> There's a lot of paths. Yeah, you said, you know, children, you know, as long as you, you treat them with love and you give them opportunities and, and you know, you feed them and they clothe them, they're going to be okay. It's, you know, what is ex- the experience you want to have as a parent? And then ultimately, what path do you you want to off- offer for your kids? What what paths and what doorways do you want to open? And and that, I think, is just such an interesting and exciting way to parent to just say, we're going to have a really great time. And this is going to be hard. And we're going to do it together. And we're going to have some humor about it. But, uh, you know, as a family, we're going to just navigate what life throws at us. And I think that's just a really, that, that's just like a really important lesson I've learned from you. Oh, well, we'll see how it turns out. We're very early on in our experience of childhood. I mean, child rearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hopefully it keeps, <laughs> hopefully we're doing well. I'm like giving a pat on any mother's back that keeps children alive at this point. I mean, so. do you see my, like, any, are they breathing? You're doing great. Exactly. <laughs> when people post about their kid's birthday, I always congratulate the parents. And I'm like, congratulations yes. on another year. Like, you guys are doing it. It's, uh, yeah. there is nothing easy about 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 this journey and um and it's it's nice not to have to pretend like like it is easy (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) well thank you so much for talking to me Cass oh it's I my pleasure could talk to you for two more hours about this subject but (laughs) oh keeping the podcast bite-sized this season (laughs) totally fair well I am uh like I said I'm so proud of you I'm so proud of what this community of people of mothers and of parents and of of child care experts that have been um you know brought together through adventure nannies and and that everyone is trying to just move in the same direction of just creating um extraordinary humans and i, I mean that not only in their achievements but in who they are as people because i think that's even more important oh well i'm just trying to be the cassie lee of the nanny world that's all <laughs> oh, i love it you are <laughs> too far too kind <laughs> All right. Well, I love you so much, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. I love you, too, and good luck to everyone out there. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at adventurenannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at podcast at adventurenannies.com. Bye. Bye. <laughs>